Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yes! What is up, everybody? Welcome to Mike McGee's favorite podcast in soccer. We trust I'm Jimmy Trashcan King! Hollywood Harry, also known as Keith Pierce, and Charlie Chuckwagon, Morning Footy Davies. And like always, we got some things to discuss, perhaps doing a little preview for the U.S.-Mexico game this Wednesday, and maybe a little recapping of the games that our player pool played in this weekend, like Josh Sargent scoring against Zach Steffen, though Josh's team lost to Zach's 5-1, to and Norch is uh, not looking good for a playoff championship to try to get into the Premier League. Daryl DK turned his Achilles. That sucks, ASS. And then, of course... We will dive into the U.S. men's national team, officially knowing who is, is in their group for the summer's Gold Cup. It looks uh, manageable, I think is the right word. There's a lot but to first, talk about. There's a lot. There's a lot. Well, let's hear from Heath Pierce. How was your weekend, Heath? I know you were in Dallas, Apple TV, calling games. How'd that go for you? Well, you didn't know until you asked me, Jimmy. Don't act like you're up to date on my schedule. You know, you don't care. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, it wasn't as exciting as Charlie, Charlie, Mini Mike Davies over there. Uh, but, but no, yeah, it was, um, it's, uh, I'm just wondering when we're going to get sun in California again, at least where I live, dude. It's just, I've had enough. I'm, I might protest soon. You weren't even there. Have, you were in Dallas. <laughs> that's true, but I came back. I was only there for a day. I get back, you know, before breakfast most mornings on Sundays and then just no sun. So I, I'd like to have some of that or at least 11 houses like Charlie where you don't really care where the weather is because you can just go to the next place. <laughs> and Charlie, what's up, man? Nice sweater and soccer we trust looking good, looking handsome. In that morning footy like glow you have right now on the new mm-hmm. Golasso channel on CBS Sports, Pluto TV, Paramount Plus. Everybody go check it out. It's free. Chuck, how's it going? I mean, I couldn't be better. We have sun. We have Stanford, <laughs> Connecticut. I'm in uh, the the studio. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm loving life. I'm excited for U.S. Mexico. I know we're going to get into it. Um, it's you know you're heading into that the warm weather here in New England. It's nice. It's a nice time to get out the boat. I'm sure you have a few of those and uh, hit the water in Cape Cod or wherever the hell you go. All yacht. right. If you're watching, if yacht. You're, sorry, yacht. I said a very, very large I, boat. I feel like I, I disrespected all the hard work you've put in to get that yacht. All right. So if you're watching on the YouTubes, make sure you hit like and subscribe. Leave us comments. We want to read those, of course. If you're listening on your podcast platform of choice, uh, download, follow, leave a five star review. We would appreciate that. And 
little word of mouth ask here. Go share this podcast with a friend. Tell somebody that you love that this is the podcast they need to be listening to. We'd greatly appreciate it. All right. So we have the Continental Classico. Mm -hmm. Allstate making up a game out of thin air. But guess what? We qualified for the 2026 World Cup, boys. And we need as many meaningful friendlies that we can get just to get our player pool some valuable minutes. And this is in an open FIFA window. So this is very domestic on both sides for the U.S. and for Mexico. We talked about it a little bit last week, Heath. I us hear from Charlie, though, about uh, the U.S. team. Now, Paxton Pomicall has been called in. Uh, Paul Ariola is out due to uh, hamstring concern. And Christian Roldan is out due to being in concussion protocol. Hopefully, both of those guys get better soon. So Pomicall comes in, but uh, we get a little thin at the top. Now, now you know, we lose, well, I guess, some options. So up top, we only have four, four words. Cade Cal, Jesus Ferrer, Jordan Morris, Brandon Vasquez. So I kind of we usually start with the back and go to the front. But Charlie, because you're our resident number nine and our attacking specialist here on In Soccer We Trust, who's your front three for this game? I'm actually pretty curious because Brandon Vasquez hasn't been hitting the back of the net like he was last season. And Jesus Ferrer could play the 10 in this particular game. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? I, I think Brandon Vasquez does get the start. I, okay. Just because... He got his opportunity in January camp. You know, he, he's I think he did well for what was asked of him, but didn't get a, an opportunity to get called in in the Nations League. So for me, it makes sense that he gets um, the opportunity to play. And then I think Jordan Morris, just because he's been red hot, is is also along the front three. And I mean, he's, he's been out. playing better as a nine, though, frankly. When he plays in the ninth spot for the Sounders, he's been hitting the back of the net. Now he has to make way for Al Rui Diaz, and they get their asses slapped by the Timbers 4-1 this past weekend. Mm -hmm. um, they were up 1-0 on that one, but but not as not as impactful. So I just wanted to know if you if you would even consider putting J-Mo at the nine or if you put him out wide and just make room for Brandon Vasquez up top. And there's options for Anthony Hudson. Yeah, I, I think with the the lack of wingers, per se, that I think you you have to start Jordan Morris and and Cade Cal on on the other side. Okay, I think that makes sense, given the options that you have. All right, and so Heath, talk to me about put your put yourself in Anthony Hudson's shoes. What what do you to. want to? Okay, I'm sure you would. I don't. Maybe you guys <laughs> switch when you go go have coffee together. Yeah. I don't even know. If you're would love to. Size. I'm having coffee now. <laughs> he just brought it by the house. And, 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 talk, and tell me about your sweater as well. The design behind that yeah what's working up for, for people that can't see it it's i think it's it great like it's an oversized sweater a rug i would have and no i like it i'm just <laughs> inquiring about it yeah it's just one of these like cool oversized sweaters that's just like comfy because we just don't we can't get spring here in california so you know <laughs> still sweater weather um, all right okay yeah. so so you're an anthony hudson sweater and his shoes heat so <laughs> Anthony Hudson's dad sweater would probably be the <laughs> so so. What are you telling? Let's let's keep it in the front three. What, what yeah. do you want to see out of your attack to to obviously help uplift these guys to make sure that they're challenging whoever's in the team when we have all of our players available? Well, I I, I think this oddly enough, uh, you mentioned uh, the Dallas game, right? And and uh, Dallas played uh, with a, in a four four two with Jesus Ferrer playing underneath. Uh, the top striker. I think he's much better. I, they didn't do it well, but they 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 did well in the fact in the game before that where they played with the two striker system. So I think when I think about Jesus Ferreira, I think that's the only world in which you see him. At, I I don't think he can be our lone number nine um, for the national team anymore. 
And so I'm I'm making the argument in the same way that I he's different because he's a little bit more of a withdrawn striker. Maybe you put him in that 10 spot instead of but like his connectivity to a, somebody ahead of him was great. Um, not necessarily in this game. And so that's that's one. Paul McCall, I think, had a great game as well, so it deserves the call. But my, my point is, is that similar to Chuck Davies, best in a, in a two-striker system, maybe it isn't a front three. Maybe it is a front four or a two-striker system that you could start to look at something differently because we don't have just a single number nine that I think is in 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 this in this call up where maybe it's a Morris and and uh and uh Ferrero or just thinking I'm trying to think differently about just trying to jam the same sort of system with the same players. If we've got certain players that that can benefit out of a new system, why don't we just go with a, a four four two? Maybe that means you go with the back three to add more players in the uh, you know higher up the field, but that's my initial thinking. Four of, four of two, baby. Yeah. What is old is new again. Judgmental. Hey, by the way, Heidi. both teams played with four four twos. Uh this weekend, you know, uh, Real Salt Lake played in 442 and FC Dallas played in 442. And I was watching a game, it was like a game from the early 2000s, guys. It was, <laughs> it was magical, occupying center backs, you know, Diamond. <laughs> yeah, one one guy checks back, the other one runs over the top. It was just classic things that you don't see anymore. And I'm, I'm genuinely curious if we're going to start to see some of that shifting back because nobody sits in those mid blocks, right? Either you're in a high block or a low block now. Could a 442 be a new way in which teams approach? Because very few teams actually play with two strikers anymore. Well, judgmental in the comments says this is a game to try to maybe mix it up. Maybe you put JMO at the nine, maybe put Ferrer at the 10, maybe put Dest as a winger and, and, and why not? I think Mexico is going to probably try to do the same thing, or at least I would encourage them in some capacity under manager Diego mm -hmm. Coca, who's had a ton of success as a manager of the club level playing a three, five, two, but every time he's lined up for as the manager of Mexico, it's always in their traditional four, three, three. And I wonder if he's going to start to shape the team in his mold and the way that he likes to play and why not in this game, right? So very similar to the why not for us, is this the time to try to experiment with formations, with where players have their starting positions or whatever it may be? I like Ferreira finding those pockets underneath. I do agree with you guys that he's more effective in that spot. Now, there was a question too from producer Alex who said, and this is more, I guess, for me and Heath because uh, I don't remember Charlie ever doing any defending, but which of the front three or four <laughs> do do would we not want to face? Least hey, Charlie defended. By the way, I'll give him that. If there was uh, Charlie, <laughs> crap, Charlie's, crap, Charlie's hey, ab right absolute, absolute crap player, but a great engine on Charlie, huh? Like he, <laughs> absolute <laughs> engine, hey, like, absolute engine, shaping the play to one yeah. side. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, you like, one side. Like, you don't have to win the ball. You just need to force that first just player to put his head down. Predictable. You know? Make the game predictable. Make the Charlie game was, predictable. Charlie would be great in, in the, easy. the first I line of think defense. Charlie was in the wrong wrong generation because he would have been great in this sort of high press world, the Gagan press, where you know you get win the ball high up the field. For, Charlie forces those turnovers and then uh, and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I don't know if I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I I I bring this up. I think it's a good question because if I was a center back and I had Vasquez, okay, I know that it's going to be a physical battle. I know that I'm going to have to try to find my advantages and my leverages where I can try to keep everything in front of me, make him play backwards. He's amazing for Cincinnati when Lucho Acosta's on the ball because Lucho Acosta can play that final pass and, and in different ways, over the top, on the grounds, on crosses. The guy, the, the incredible player. And when he didn't play this weekend for Cincinnati, Cincinnati did not look great. And Vasquez was really limited in his influence. If you put Ferrer in the 10, this is where I'm going with this, Chuck. If you put Ferrer at the 10, do you start to have somebody in that midfield spot that could unlock that for Vasquez? And I think make Vasquez more dangerous as it pertains to getting in behind you you clearly are shaking your head so you you disagree when i look at the rest of our midfielders though 
maybe maybe Alan Senora would be a guy that can make that final pass. But everybody else, Jackson Yule, Paxson Pomey call, James Sands, Aiden Morris, Kellen Acosta. Okay, they're solid, right? They can, but are, can they do that Lucho Acosta type pass that Vasquez has been benefiting from? I don't know. Go ahead, Chuck. Go ahead. Take it away, Mr. Head Shaker. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Head Shaker. Mr. <laughs> never never head. satisfied with anything. Never satisfied. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not shaking at what you're saying, Jimmy. I'm shaking my head at Andy SVT8 in the YouTube comments. Oh, there you go. I'm Charlie, not, trigger it again. I'm there not we taking go. the bait. I'm <laughs> He's not triggered I'm by not, the comments. I'm not getting triggered. I am not taking the bait with his. I would Charlie, be oh my God. I'd be shaking yeah. my head yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Read, read the comment. Read the it. comment, Charlie. Read the comment. All right. Andy SVT8. Uh, we always see him on, on the, on the pod. So I love not for he, long, not for long. If Charlie <laughs> has anything to do with it. Hey, hey, I appreciate, appreciate you tuning in. I love the attempt to get me. He got you. Dude. You're on, you're already emotional. Oh, he believe, no, hey, he's not, not, he's not attempting. Not he's just sure. speaking his mind, Charlie. This is, hey. this is what he truly believes. But yes. you would be seventh on today's depth yes. chart. And he says, no. Charlie would be seventh on today's depth chart. <laughs> hey, he's, you, I think there's I'm a not, game I'm in the gonna, comments. There's you a game guys, in the comments, Charlie. They, they try to see how fast they can trigger you in each show, and this one took them less than 12 minutes. So congratulations. Oh, stop it. I, I didn't let it I, – I did not get triggered. I'm, what I'm telling you, it was a good attempt. It was a good attempt. Uh, no, I don't think we have – in this camp, there, there isn't <laughs> – Jimmy, there's not – we don't have creative um, number 10s attacking midfielders. And, and I think one portion – that you're forgetting about the Cincinnati attack is this Brenner Brenner also playing mm -hmm, alongside mm -hmm. Brennan Vasquez because of his runs, he's pulling center backs out of position as well. So whether it's leaving Brennan Vasquez one V one for whipped in balls, and that's going to be his bread and butter or now two defender center backs are, are they don't know where Brennan Vasquez is because they're focused on Brenner and his movement and Lucho Acosta because a lot of center backs tend to, to ball wash. Keep keep the comments coming because I'm not. Oh, gonna... Charlie's behind Zardis. Clear. <laughs> Jack Jack says Charlie's behind Zardis. Listen, I'm kind of curious. Andy, come back on and tell us who are the six better players than Chuck on the current roster. Oh, that's what I want. Hey, the trigger J Charlie award goes to. J most moves. We should have a trigger Charlie award. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Uh, it's not it's not happening today i'm not getting triggered oh Why he's getting some he's getting some yeah he's getting some he's getting some love back they're bringing him back around from uh, <laughs> why, why are you two treating today's guest charlie like this no wonder he's never on the show that's because he's not a guest <laughs> we're treating him like a guest because he hasn't been showing up lately you know? <laughs> it's two shows that i missed hey wow. It's enough for us to just build a little, little uh, bit of. Uh, man, now you know. I'm completely sidetracked as I named the six players in my head that are better than Charlie right now on the curve. All right, here you go: Zardes, Vasquez, Morris, Brian Gutierrez, Cade Cowell. Cade Cowell. Go ahead, Charlie. Um, Balligan. Balligan. Yeah, he, too bad he, he's not, he's not playing for us yet. Yeah, you can't count yeah. Balligan. Oh man! All right, so so I think we have a pretty good idea of well at least. Could you be a possibility to have some tinkering. You, Go ahead. You don't think we're going to play with with two strikers? Well, we could have a Ferrer and Vasquez, and then Ferrer to to what he said before just drops in underneath. I mean, and, then and, then it, then it looks like a four eh, four five one, or it could be still be a four three three, but on paper it's a four four two. I, I just don't see a a way that Jordan Morris doesn't start in this match. Right. It's just a matter of whether he starts in the nine or if he starts out wide. I, I get the sense that you're going to roll out Vasquez again. So J-Mo on one side, Kate Cal on the other. It's just a matter of whether Ferreira 
slots in at the 10 and then you just have do for me i think you go acasa and aiden morris that's that's who i think you go with paul mccall just got called in he's not coming in james sands won't start jackson you'll probably won't start senora would be the only maybe playmaker that you could put in there but i don't think it will be i think it's acasa and morris and then ferreira that's that's my midfield three that's what i'd like to see i'm just throwing that out there guys midfield three what do you what do you like Wait, so give me give me those three again. You I said, said Acosta, Morris, and Morris, Acosta. and Jesus Ferrer at the 10. Okay. Yeah. I don't um, mind that. Uh, yeah, thanks. To be honest, but I, but I, 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 I think that's a good trio. Hey, hey I, I will say this, though. I watched I watched this game, and it was Jesus Jimenez uh, playing next to Ferrer when they, when, they, when they defended. And the biggest problem with Ferreira at the 10 spot, he doesn't defend. And unless mm. you're a true number 10... And I've told this story before when I used to get in almost fistfights with his with his dad, David <laughs> Ferreira, because he wasn't doing his job as the 10. Then he turned that, he flipped that switch, and I said, you know what? You walk around all you want, man. I will run for you anywhere. <laughs> but Jesus Ferreira is a different, more like a withdrawn striker, not a traditional number 10. But in a team for but the But if you have US, Morris and Acosta in there, then those guys can cover a lot of ground. Yeah, but you you still can't have like the game is good enough now, technically across the board, that you can play through anybody. If you have somebody arrive late on a press or not doing that job, like we used to have. But, you have back in our, our like I, I say our era, but it was a little bit different. Now, if you have one guy, teams are, every every everybody's technically enough to play through a midfield if, if you have somebody arrive late on a press. True, That's true, my only but, worry. In but you could, in theory, if you wanted to get back into the four four two, you could just drop one of your wingers into that midfield spot, mm -hmm. um, or even even centrally and allow Ferrer a little bit more of that freedom just to kind of roam. Oh, now I'm playing up that side, Jimmy. I'm this, you know you're okay. So that that means that Mexico still has to identify that. No, no, no. I mean they should probably start Gallardo and, and Alvarez. Uh, Mexico. I, I'm very curious to see if Diego Coca, the manager, is going to go with his 3-5-2 and see if he can start to mold these players into that. It's going to be pretty interesting. But uh, let's let's pivot over to. Well, actually, we got to do the back four. Charlie, what's what's your back four for this particular game? Ooh. And your goalkeeper. Yeah. I Me and he so. talked about it a little bit last week, so we'll just play off of what you say. All right, goalkeeper. I think Celetano gets ah. Oh. You mean the guy that just gave up five to St. Louis? No, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I, I think Sean Johnson starts in goal. I think it's right back, Serginio Dest, right center back, Walker Zimmerman, left center back. I think he's going to go to Aaron Long and left back, Caleb Wiley. Mm. Okay. Wow. That's right. Wait. This is how I think. Okay, so you're going Dest just so I can I, – I was not paying attention, but now I am. Uh, I'll be yes. honest. Zimmerman, Zimmerman and Long, Long, and Wiley. And Wiley. Wiley. That's what. That's. I'd put I Josh Winder in there for Long. I don't need to see any more of Aaron Long. Yeah, I know. Uh, but I it's would, a Mexico I game. Think... You don't want to get slapped by Mexico in a friendly or otherwise, or I get in it. the Continental Clasico, or in a Gold Cup final, for example. Uh, oh, I was not... that one <laughs> Yeah, so was I. Uh, so was I. Zero, zero uh, and a half. You don't Plus forget. Five, you don't forget. In Mexico, it doesn't matter who they put on. Like these games, uh, call it a friendly or not. Like I know this is like a series going forward. It you still got to go out and try to beat Mexico every single time. All right, let's talk a little bit about Mexico then. Carlos Acevedo probably going to start. Uh, got five caps. The other two goalkeepers, similar to ours, have zero caps. He plays for Santos Laguna. He probably get the start. You got Gallardo and Kelvin Alvarez outside backs. 31-year-old Nestor Araujo, I think, is being uh, pipped to start this one, uh, partnering with Israel Reyes. And then uh, Luis Chavez, if you remember him, scored a banger against Saudi Arabia, free kick in their last group stage game. And uh, Charlie Rodriguez, uh, he'll probably be yes. – I like Charlie Rodriguez a lot, good player. Uh, Fernando Beltran looks like he might be getting the start. 
Henry Martin is going to be out. He that's why they brought in Efrain Alvarez, who actually didn't get to, he came out as a super sub for the Galaxy in El Trafico this past weekend. He gets brought in. Uh, Alexis Vega is good, but but Henry Martin's a big miss for them. He's got 26 goals and 11 assists in 37 or 38 games for Club America. Uh, speaking of that, we had uh, Mr. Alejandro Zendejas <laughs> scoring two goals for Club America. It would have been nice to maybe see him in this one. And then Uriel Antuna probably on the other side. So Vega and Antuna are going to be the, the wingers. Again, though, I'm kind of curious if they're going to be any tinkering from Diego Coca because they haven't looked great uh, in the Nations League with Jamaica twice and Suriname twice. Uh, two wins, two draws, but still giving up a lot of chances. So I wonder how they tighten things up because Diego Coca is known for really being pragmatic and smart on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, any thoughts on Mexico from either one of you guys? Chuck, I'll come to you first. I think this is a, a relatively strong Mexican side. Um, they're going to keep possession. They're going to dominate, actually, possession. It's going to be tough. I think this will be more of the we we have to be tactically set up well, a lot of chasing and running. We can't lose a ball. First touch has to be sharp. This is going to be a tough, tough game for this group, for, for the U.S. Okay. And, and uh, give me your scoreline before I, I throw it over to Heath. What do you think in this one? Okay, he's, he's not ready to answer, everybody. Heath, <laughs> why don't you go? Dang, someone just hit the mute button on Chuck. <laughs> yeah. uh, Chuck's reading the comments. He, he's waiting to see what the comments are. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now he's pretending <laughs> to be mu actually muted. Uh, uh, he put him on the spot. Like, oh, he wasn't yeah. ready for the hot seat. It's, that, too hot. it's, that, it's that Zoom call. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're on mute. You're on mute. Oh, it's too, too bad. We, we passed it. Um, no, I, I, I would say I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say 1-1. In this one, I don't see so it being... safe. I was thinking the same oh thing. Oh my nice god, thing. the ultimate safe prediction. Oh, said the guy who didn't give a prediction, said the guy who went silent on the prediction is Jimmy, critical of me. One, one. Jimmy, he went one one. I know, I know. <laughs> if it, honestly, if he hadn't gone one one, I might have done it just because yeah. it's uh yeah, nice. I say now, now you get to hedge. I mean, yeah. uh, who's I, I couldn't tell you what either lineup's gonna be, so how can I give you a score prediction? I'm not I'm even just saying, I, like, just I might be nine there. players off of what the lineup is, and you of want course, me to throw but, out a but it's it's throw out something common. It doesn't matter like about who's the out US. there. I'm yeah, gonna go like nil nil. <laughs> yeah. Oh my dude, it could be nil nil. That's the thing. I hope it's not. I hope we see a couple goals for sure. I'm going hopefully, nil -nil. It's, hopefully it's Dos Acero in favor of Estados Unidos. But uh should be a great game. Very excited for it. That game. Jimmy, what's your prediction? Don't don't run away. Oh, from yeah. This. I said I said I hope Dos Acero. Like you, okay. I agree that the lineup is you it's hope hard, it's hard to yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. betting on the game, what's What's the game? My, my, if I'm betting on the game, I'm staying away from the result, and I'll probably go under two and a half goals. That's what I would look at. <laughs> Charlie, you let him get out with 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 the wager, you know, with uh, yeah, yeah, playing yeah. the lines. I I, I might just do a little prop bet, um, and and that's what I would look <laughs> yeah, at. Yeah. But but because and I would look at starting line. Honestly, if anybody wants to wager on this game, just look at starting lineups before you make any decisions to see the formations and who's doing what. Because if they're yeah, doing a lot of tinkering, it could just really stifle anything you wanted. That's me putting like my wagering hat on. Anyway, we're going to take our first break of in soccer. We trust when we come back, we're going to break down CONCACAF Gold Cup groups and uh, the path to the final. Hopefully we get there as the defending champions, of course. And hopefully we face Mexico in that one. And then, of course, we'll do our weekend recap for all of our player pool in the U.S. Men's National Team. Don't go anywhere. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. 
With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back, everybody, to It's Not Can We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath Pierce and Charlie Davies, and we want to let everybody no, as a reminder that we are more than a YouTube first podcast. It's a community and you're all a part of it. And now you can rep that community with official in soccer. We trust gear only found on the Paramount shop. Yes. Discover t-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser engraved pint glasses, mahogany wood paneling like Chuck has right behind him and so much more. So make sure you tell all of your friends and family what is up by supporting us. You can go get 20% off your order. This podcast exclusive code soccer20 during checkout. That's soccer20, and it's only available for our listeners. So head over to paramountshop.com collections slash collections slash in dash soccer dash we dash trust and shop now. Hopefully, you're writing that down. That is a long, long website name. All right, let's talk about the gold cup, CONCACAF gold cup. We are the defending champions, and the groups have come out, boys. And we are in with Jamaica, Nicaragua. And there's a playoff winner. Given the teams in there and given the quality that I've seen from them before, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be Curacao, which is actually pretty difficult. I think Curacao can make people... Curacao. Sorry, Curacao. They, uh, they, I think they, they, they're tough. I, I remember playing against, uh, well, any, any of the Caribbean nations, but it's never an easy game. And, and you... If you don't score on them early and they start to get a little bit of leaf, those games become very difficult very quickly. But thinking about this group, Heath, I'll come to you. It's looking manageable, though. When you look at Jamaica, if they bring their full roster, they got some ballers that can absolutely uh, play us off the field. And actually, we suffered our biggest upset in Gold Cup history back in 2015 when Jurgen Klinsmann was in charge and we lost to Jamaica 2-1 in the semifinals. So they have a little history of uh, pulling off upsets in this one. And, and if we get second in our group, we might face Mexico in a semifinal instead of the final like everybody wants. Your thoughts on this group? Well, yeah, when you look at, I mean, just to speak on Jamaica, if you look at just the fact of, of, of what the opportunity is with the three host countries already ruled out for 2026, you've got to be deep in the recruitment game, right? Of figuring out who wants to be part of that project and going after your top players. This could be the first opportunity to roll them out in official competition. I don't know who those players are going to be um, and what what the uh, what, what the ability to actually um, win those players over are, but that in itself is going to be a danger for CONCACAF. Fortunately, the U.S. doesn't have to go through qualifying uh, and deal with them there, but in this one, we could see uh, some high-quality players. It just depends whether they bring them. It depends um, kind of 
how much of a team they they play as. We saw it took a while in qualifying mm-hmm. for them to get going as a team, get some of their best players in to qualifying, and it was a little bit too little too late. Um, and then the preliminary, I, I, I haven't looked at, to see who that could potentially be for that fourth game, but it's it's a pretty it's a pretty good uh, matchup. It's just you you just hope that you know U.S. and Mexico win their groups and they'll have to face each other until the final. Now, Charlie Anthony Hudson, who's still the interim manager, but uh, clearly the guy until we hear otherwise, had this quote about the Gold Cup draw: "We feel we have a he- really healthy, strong player pool because we have uh, just to give some context to what he's saying." We have the Nations League semifinal and potentially the final prior to this tournament. And then he continues to add, this is Anthony Hudson, we are just focused on making sure that we put out a squad, a team that we feel that can win the next game, the next tournament, as we demonstrated in 2021 very well. It's something that we believe could work for us going forward. And he's referencing us winning the Nations League final against Mexico in Denver. Heath was there on the ground. Crazy game and uh, very memorable with the most famous photos in U.S. men's national team history with Christian Shush in the crowd. And then going on to win the Gold Cup with a completely different team for the most part and beating Mexico again in the final. So do you think we'll do that again? Because Anthony Hudson was the assistant to Greg during that process, Chuck. And and uh, I wonder if he's even going to be in charge when this tournament rolls around. I have a feeling he'll still be in charge um, for this Gold Cup or for the Nations League. But I'm not so sure about the Gold Cup. I, hmm. I could see them making a higher... Uh, as a sporting director and then the GM and then a, maybe a swift um, higher manager by, by the gold cup. So he's right about one thing. And I would say that's the the talent and the depth of, of that talent within the U S men's national team. And, and you have a lot of young up and coming players who are, or who are in Europe, who've gotten minutes, who I think are ready for the next, next step uh, for the following season, next season. And you have players who are, you know, you need to push a little bit. They need to be in good club situations and are still yet to fulfill their potential, but gained a lot of experience this past year with World Cup qualifying and, and the World Cup. So, uh, I mean, the, the the expectation is you win. Who, who, whether he's the manager or the next manager, you got to get back to being the top dog in CONCACAF. And right now it's Canada. Canada are the number one team. And People just have to swallow that pill. They finished top of the World Cup qualifying ca- uh, campaign. They have the the, I guess the the biggest player in Alfonso Davies right now in mm-hmm. in calf. They are the the top team until they're beat in Nations League, and then you got the Gold Cup. So, I love the fact that U.S., Mexico, and and Canada feel <clears throat> it's open for for this next round of who's going to be the team to beat uh, for the next four years. So as a reminder, FIFA rankings came out recently and the Kings of CONCACAF, known as Canada, are currently ranked 47th. We're 13th. Guys, they got, guys, they got battered the- at the World Cup. Are we not counting that for anything? <laughs> like, I agree with Charlie. Like, the U.S. finished, what, what did we finish, third in, in World Cup qualifying behind yes. uh, Canada and, and Mexico. We but we still won the last Gold Cup. We got out of our group. So I think there's still some argument to say the real Kings of CONCACAF control that whole narrative to be the king of CONCACAF. I think Canada had their moment. They qualified for the World Cup. They were the short-term king of CONCACAF uh, by doing so. And as it and turned out, they were in the group of death, by the way. They were. They were. It was a really <laughs> tough thing, but they they did have situations that they didn't do, they could have done better with. I'm not saying that they, they, no, they could have done that's that fair. much more. I'm saying that, but if they do do something in Nations League, 
uh, now, if they do something in the Gold Cup, then I think we've got a, a, another. We've got a real narrative for for Kings of Concacaf because whoa, 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 it's nice. Which I, is I, nice. I, I, I just got triggered. All right, deep house. <laughs> yeah, get him. Get him, Charlie. It's a double trigger award today for Charlie Davies. What do you say? Tell us the comment. Tell us the comment. All right. So I'm talking about Canada. Is is the team to beat in Concacaf right now? They they dominated World Cup qualifying. They're, they are the best team in my eyes right now until the U.S. and Mexico supplants them. And right now, Mexico is the third best team. The U.S. Are, are the better team, and U.S. have to beat Canada. The Nations League is set up to show who the best team is right now in North America. It's a U.S.-Mexico semifinal, which I'm pumped about. The U.S. are the better team at the moment, with, but they don't have a long-term future with, a, with the manager and a plan, which – could work against them in this Mexico against this Mexico side. And Diego Coca hasn't inspired anyone yet. I don't think he's really inspired the, the players yet. So U.S. have to beat Mexico. Canada have to obviously take care of Panama. But a U.S.-Canada final, that's what I'm looking forward to. And Deep Hauser, much as you, it might be hard for you to admit, but Canada are the real deal. They are They are the best team right now. Based on results, maybe not overall talent, but based on results right now, their their primetime players have stepped up in the big matches in, in North America. Maybe not in World, World, Cup, in World Cup qualifying. In That's World what Cup he's qualifying. trying to say. In Gold Cup, Nations League. Yeah, they're both they're both World Cup. MIA in those. Okay. But World and Cup qualifying. And then in the World Cup, in the World Cup, they had the group of death. And their coach kind of uh put them in a bad situation against yeah. Croatia. So I, as bad as the World Cup results were, I wouldn't put that much stock into it that you're going to say all of a sudden they're they're not even in the conversation. Um, uh, and and I'm I, saying I, and they're not kings. Expect that from we should put that type of pressure on our on our group on this generation to to push for more. Okay, I don't think I Charlie's triggered everybody, so that's yeah. that's fun. We got him, uh, <laughs> Andy and. And uh, puts out a comment, me and Deep Hauser today, handshake, because they both triggered Charlie. <laughs> Congratulations on that. Yeah. Uh, with Canada's group in the Gold Cup, they got Canada, Guatemala, Cuba, and then there is a playoff between uh, Trinidad and Tobago, Guadeloupe, uh, Guyana, and Grenada. So we'll see who goes through there. Group C, Costa Rica, Panama, El Salvador, then a playoff, Martinique, St. Lucia, one. Suriname, Puerto Rico. Group B is Mexico, Haiti, Honduras, and always tough in the CONCACAF, Qatar is, mm-hmm. is in uh, the Gold Cup as yes. well. We're the 42nd team in CONCACAF now. Yes. You know, they're they're, 40, uh, we have 41 nations. Now we got 42. We got 42. No, apparently there was a deal in place that they were going to be part of the two consecutive Gold Cups uh, prior to them joining the before the 2022 World Cup. So the last one. And uh, they were pretty good. I actually thought that they enhanced the tournament and had some good players, but uh, didn't turn into any success at the World Cup itself. They played a nice style. They nice. did. They actually went out and tried to play, which I, I yeah. appreciate. It didn't really sit in and, and, and make it tough um, at times. But uh, yeah, so that's the Gold Cup groups. It looks like to what one of you said earlier, that if, if the U.S. and Mexico both win their groups, then they are on a pathway to not face each other in an earlier round and, and hope to get to the final, which is what uh, everybody wants, at least maybe from a broadcasting standpoint. And, you know, anytime there's a big game with a lot on it, it's always a lot of fun. So that should be uh, pretty good. I guess the next question is to follow up on this. What kind of roster do you think we're going to see? And let's just say Anthony Hudson's still in charge, and he's he, he's clearly going to follow the blueprint from 2021. So the, a lot of the names that we're going to see in this upcoming U.S.-Mexico game, which is the 75th time 
that these nations have faced each other. Maybe we'll get 76 here. And well, we're going to get 76 in the Nations League semi, but uh, maybe we'll get 77 in the Gold Cup final. I think we're going to see a lot of familiar faces here, Heath, that we're seeing right now in this friendly because um, that's kind of what we saw the last time around. Yeah, maybe not this deep, uh, I think, into our player pool, but I, I do think we'll maybe see some carryover from Nations League to, to the Gold Cup players that that need that, right? And, you know, Serginho Dest being an example of somebody in this one that I think could, until they figure out the club situation or players that want to be in this situation better than their current club environment, I think we could see some of that. Um, and I, I just, I'm just curious thinking about that window of time where you'll start to see like the Premier League's going on tour this summer. Uh, individual teams are are, yeah. are coming and playing in like a multi six team tournament. You've got a uh, league's cup happening uh, during that window. You've got a, it, it is like, you will never see a not busy summer where, where like European teams just came to tour uh, again. And so I'm wondering what's the best environment for, for a lot of those players. But I think we sh could see a, a, a hybrid, may maybe what I would think is closer to our B team versus a little bit deep. I'm not saying this is our C team for this game, but but it's deeper into our roster that I think we could have a mix of A and B um, for that second tournament. Yeah, I, th I don't know exactly when the Gold Cup final is going to be. Oh, it looks like July 16th is, is when it's going to be. And the League's Cup starts on July 21st. Okay. So, so, so no. it'll be interesting to see how teams are going to balance that. MLS teams, Liga MX teams, because if we're drawing a lot of domestic players for these tournaments... Yeah, you know, some of these teams could be a little pissed that they're going to miss some of their key players at, at key moments or even leading up to this tournament. What do you say, yeah. Chuck? Yeah, I, I I think what it comes down to it is it's a lot of minutes in a short amount of time and there's no World Cup qualifying. So these tournaments are really important to get a yeah. sense yeah. of what it, what it is to, yeah. to compete in. So you put you have to put a lot of stock in Gold Cup because there is no World Cup qualifying. So you need to bring in your best players just to get the chemistry right, to get – what get the level of competition up to raise it across CONCACAF. So you would expect everyone to bring in the best players unless, you know, they're, they're on the verge of a, of a move in Europe. Okay. So let's do this. we got a couple more minutes before we get to our second and last break of the show and get into our weekend recap at the end of the gold cup. And let's take this friendly into consideration nations league and, and the whole gold cup itself of the players that are available in our player pool. Who do you think is going to be the one breakout? That we're going to be talking about going, yo, this guy is legit. This is, the, this is the real deal. I already know mm. Heath's going Aiden Morris because I could I could feel the Aiden Morris emanating. Going, hey. Caleb Wiley for me. Caleb no Wiley. Way. Okay. Well, give us give us for people that might not know about Caleb Wiley, give us some context Caleb, for him. Caleb Wiley is a a flying uh left-footed player. We we don't have another option. Um, he plays for Atlanta United. He's he's 18. We don't have another option. Um at left back other from Anthony Robinson. So Caleb Wiley is the most intriguing to me. And I, and I think that he stands a good chance mixed with an experienced group to really excel in, in this, in this format. So I think Caleb Wiley could be the one to surprise all of okay. us. Because there's not, there's no one there to, to really take up, take minutes away from him. No, no. I like that shout. I think, I wonder what happens with Kevin Paredes. Like if he's somebody that we bring into the gold cup can see over an extended period of time. Cause I think even though he's a little bit more attack minded than Caleb Wiley, though, Caleb has shown he can get bombed forward too. I think that there's a conversation to be had about having Kevin Paredes potentially be in that spot moving forward. Also, if you want to join this conversation, hit us up on Twitter, ISWT pod, drop us a follow there or hit us up in the comments right now. We'd love to get your thoughts on who's going to be the breakout player for us. You know, obviously somebody that's on the radar it doesn't have to be somebody completely 
out of left field. But maybe if you want to throw in uh, Richie Ledesma, that could be a possibility. As he's now getting some minutes with uh, NYCFC. Who's That's, it for you, Jimmy? Well, I was going to go to Heath first, but if you want me to go first, I'm happy to. I'll go Josh Winder. He's playing for Louisville City. He's going to make a move to Benfica here in the summer. And uh, I, I'm really excited for his upside. And I want to see him get at least 60 minutes against Mexico. He got called in for this friendly a center back with a huge potential. But as someone that uh, learned the position and, and it took a lot of time to learn how to play, it's nice to see his instincts and uh, his his understanding and his IQ for the game is off the charts. Really, I really enjoy watching him play, and and uh, it took me to be around 28, 29 years old to to get to where he is at 18 or or 17 or 18 or wherever he is uh, age wise. He's a teenager still, which is crazy, but I really like his upside. So I'm I'm hoping it'll be him because we could have a Winder Miles Robinson pairing here and in, in, in the near future, and it's just great to have that type of depth and depth and to have some young players coming through, especially at the position I love the most, center back. How about you, Heath? Yeah, uh, for this summer, I, I, I'm I'm looking at uh, Paxton Aronson, who just started to get uh, his first mm -hmm. significant minutes good this shout, weekend. Um, I'm thinking about Taylor Booth as a player that, and again, when I when I even when I think about Wiley, I'm like, I don't need him to be a star at 18 now. I just want to see what the upside is. I want to mm -hmm. see like, mm -hmm. okay, this guy's playing significant minutes at his club level. We saw this though with George Bella. We saw other players get significant minutes and then boom, they move abroad, not the right move, and then all of a sudden they're buried. Sammy Vines. Uh, we saw, yeah, we saw uh, Gianluca Busio, Tanner Testman. These guys end up in environments that are not better than the ones that they came from. Um, maybe in terms of development, yeah, Serie A was great for them last year, but now they're buried somewhere where it's tough for us to really get a good look at them and see where their development curve is. And you wonder, in a second division, is that better than being uh, in an MLS club where maybe you don't have as much pressure, uh, but you do have a, a more nurturing environment that you came from. So that, that's that's for me. You know, uh, Booth is a player, and Booth is and, a good shout. And, and Aronson uh, for me uh, as two players. I mean, Aiden Morris is one where I'm like, I wonder if you I can never jack know if it'll so translate. The World uh, Cup too, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah I could take that into consideration. Sorry, I didn't interrupt you. But Aiden Morris isn't 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 super young. Like he's not like a teenager. Uh, and so I wonder about a player like him. Like, will it actually translate to the national team? Will we see an upside where you go, okay, I could see him as the next one, or is he just one of those players that's super good at the club level, but it doesn't necessarily translate to because it's based on a style of play and a system that he's playing in versus in the national team, which you have to be able to play in a number of different ways. Yeah, it's going to be exciting to see just which players emerge. And really, we get to sink or swim time, right? This is why you play these games. I know, again, there's a lot of people like, ah, who cares about this U.S.-Mexico game? But it's a really good opportunity for us to evaluate our players in a high-pressure situation. And mm -hmm. that's what we want. We want to see which guys can handle, which ones can show a little bit of what he's saying, that that promise like, okay, maybe it wasn't perfect today, but you can see that there's some elements there that once they get another couple of years of experience under their belt, they're going to be real special players. So it's all really important. I'm really looking forward to Wednesday's game in particular. All right, we're going to take our second and last break of In Soccer We Trust. When we come back, it's our weekend recap, so don't go anywhere. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, ho, let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to In Soccer We Trust. I'm Jimmy Conrad alongside Heath and Chuck. And if you're a U.S.-based fan of the beautiful game, Paramount Plus is an absolute must-have subscription from NWSL to the Champions League to Serie A and so much more in between. And if you're not sure if it's for you, then guess what? You can try one month for free by using the code NWSL2023. Speaking of the NWSL, Julie Ertz who hadn't played a meaningful game in 600 and something days, decided she's playing for Angel City for one year as she uh, tries to get sharp and ready to go to potentially join the women for the Women's World Cup in Australia this summer. That's pretty exciting, pretty big deal. Angel City had to come back from two goals down to go 2-2 this weekend. I got season tickets, baby. Let's go, Angel City. So uh, not the best results, but it could have been worse. You know, that's a draw that feels like a win. All right, let's get into our weekend recap. And uh, I think we have to start with Daryl DK. Sad news. It looks like he's torn his Achilles. He's going to be out for quite some time. And I don't know, Heath, should we let Chuck talk about him first? Chuck wasn't his biggest fan anyway, so. <laughs> Do it. No. Go ahead, Chuck. What are we saying about Terrell DK? Uh, that this, I, is, this sucks. I mean, you know, yeah. he, was, he was doing good things. He was finding that consistency. He was being, I feel like, more impactful with each passing game and trying to do those little things that I think you, you in particular wanted to see more of from him and uh, trying to influence and impact the game in different ways that maybe he wasn't doing as a younger player, but it uh, seemed like he was starting to turn a little bit of a corner, and then you have this, and it's a real shame. Yeah, I, I really feel for him. I mean, this is a, a terrible injury. Um, but in saying that, Miles Robinson came back from it. You know, Aguchi Anyebu had uh, a couple Brian of Ching. players. Brian Ching. So it's not something that he's not going to overcome, and it's it's – it stinks in the moment, but he also has a good sense of humor about it. You know, saying, "Can you do it on a rainy night in Stoke?" Um, and, he, and he couldn't. <laughs> yeah, he he's yeah, yeah. He, he's a, a player that obviously has a a great positive attitude. I know he's going to bounce back. Um, you you learn a lot from being injured. It gives you perspective and and just allows you to watch the game in a different way and and learn and and study your not only your game tape but other seeing other strikers mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. add to yours. Sometimes it's a it's good to take a pause, and the World Cup's in 2026, so it's a long road. Mm -hmm. This season isn't a make or break season for Daryl DK to to be able to participate in in something you know you work your whole life to be a part of. So um, just stay positive and keep going. Yeah, yeah, we want that for Daryl for sure. Uh, Ricardo Pepe keeping in the number nine spot. Heath Pierce scores again. But it looks like Groningen is going to get relegated from the top division in the Eredivisie in Holland. Yes. I, I just want him to just listen, man, head down, keep quiet. Don't say anything stupid in the next couple of months. You know, I, I feel think like he likes to, to like, I know, throw but things like, out there that's not really helping his guys. Like, like we said, you know, I don't want him to wear a t shirt that says like alone is hard as his team goes down because he's the only one scoring goals right now. Uh, any of those types of things, just quiet. You'll get that move. I'd love. I mean, for for, for me, it's again stick stay in the stay in 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 the Netherlands. I think that's the best place for him uh, for his development. He could leave is, in two years. Uh, is with Ricardo Pepe is he our is he our new Clint Mathis? You know, remember Clint Mathis when he uh, 
there's a famous story. He played at Hanover in the Bundesliga with Steve Chirundolo, and, and uh, the, the manager didn't start him. So he brings him off the bench, and then Clint scores the game winner. And his, in his celebration, he goes over to the manager and points to his watch like, you should have put me in sooner. Like, Clint Mathis is unbelievable. The, the Having the chance to play with and against him, the guy was – he should have honestly – accomplish more I, I i we got to get him on the show he'd be great to have on the show and kind of get his thoughts i i think he would even sit here and say that he probably should have done a little bit more and maybe should have been a little bit more humble uh in, in his journey but that's what made him special right i mean that's what makes clint dempsey special because he 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 has that chip on his shoulder does that work against him sometimes yes of course but but that's also what propelled him to be as great as he was and clint was in that same category so in some some ways ricardo pepe i don't want him to lose a little bit of that edge but it's not necessarily helping him. <laughs> He's got to be able to dial it in, you know, a like, little bit. Yeah. There's got to be that balance. Those, those He's types of moments. Um, what a Clint Mathis story though. What a player. Yeah, too, when yeah. He was on his, on he his was game. A, he unstoppable. Was a All right. So let's talk about Gio Reyna, Charlie Davies. He comes off the bench to score what we thought was stoppage time winner, but then Dortmund somehow coughed up a pretty bad goal. Defending is an art form that Dortmund have not mastered this particular season, especially in this game against Stuttgart, but nice to see Gio score. Have obviously have a big impact on the game though it didn't turn into three points. Yeah, I mean, he got eight minutes. He came in the 82nd minute. Um, it's a good goal to, to yeah. minute ratio. <laughs> it seems like he has dropped down the totem pole like crazy after starting so strong in 2023 at Dortmund. And it, it just makes you wonder, what what else is, is playing into this? Is, is it just a loss of confidence or pressure, you know, being up and down? Because it's not health. He's he's on the bench. He's always available, just not getting playing time, not getting minutes. So I love the fact that given eight minutes, he still makes a, a massive impact and gets on the, the score sheet. You would think is the game winner when you score in the 92nd minute. For sure. But just we we need Gio Reyna to play more often. And whether it's at Dortmund next season and there's a plan for him, and if not, he's got to make a move just similar to Christian Pulisic, similar to to guys who who aren't getting consistent minutes and we need them to be able to fulfill their potential and and help us in 2026 get to 2026 feeling good about um you know making a, a deep run in the tournament he needs to find a good spot where he's going to play every week i wonder what's going to happen with him in the summer i i i feel like there's something going on at dortmund that that's bigger than or different than what's happening with the U.S. Right? There's just something that's not clicking, or maybe it's just time for him, very similar to Christian, to just find a new patch of grass to go spread his wings somewhere else. I'm trying to use as many cliches as I possibly can here, but uh, keeping keep it, him, uh, keep him going, keep him yeah. going, keep it in the bonus. Uh, uh, go ahead, Heath. Uh, uh, r- r- real quick on that, I was I was with Justin Merrim this weekend. I ran into him in the lobby, uh, as I do coffee shop. You know, of course uh, you do, of course you do, and. Um, <laughs> And 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 he just said something to me that that you could both appreciate, and it's different than Giorena because of his age, but just sort of like you know we go into all last year, played every game, right? This year under the same coach with Pablo Mastroeni, he's not playing. Um, and he had said how like quickly it all changes, right? And and I think about that of like Giorena being the young star, the next one, big price tag, worth a ton of upside, and then they bring in more players. He goes through these injuries, he goes through all these things, and just like maybe it's not overnight, it's over the course of a season, things have changed for him, right? And you can't just keep trying to force the same narrative that he's going to be this young star for Dortmund that's going to be sold on to the next thing. It might have to be a lateral move to the next place for him to start. And the reason I tell that story about Merrim is because he's older, He's older, right? And he went from being hugely impactful and the go-to guy to 
you know, a couple signings, uh, you know, things change. And then all of a sudden your new role is not like debatable or challengeable, right? He can't play better. He can't do anything to change that role. They brought in new players that are performing. And now you find yourself with a new, almost what I think is reputation that it's hard to climb out of that. uh, I think the narrative of what it was going to be for him at Dortmund, I think may be past. He's still the same player that we know he's capable of being, but I think that, you know, he's got to go somewhere different now. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they have Daniel Mullen, who they had signed from PSV to to be in like a, the out and out striker. But with Sebastian Allaire back in, he's he's been playing well. Julian Brandt's probably having the best season of his career. Uh, Kareem Adeyemi's now healthy again. There's just no room for the guy. So yeah, to your point, that's a great story, and and things do change quite quickly. And the opposite could be true, right? But I wonder. Ricardo Pepe found a new patch of grass and, and has done well on the personal level with Grondigan, even though the team hasn't had a lot of success. So it'll be interesting to see. This is going to be a big summer for a lot of our guys, and I'm very curious to see uh, what happens in their respective adventures uh, in their professional careers. Keeping it, though, in the Bundesliga, Chuck, we had uh, Paxson Aronson making his home debut for Eintracht Frankfurt, came on with about 30 minutes left, taking on Joe Scally, who played 90 minutes for Borussia Mönchengladbach. Scally consistently in the lineup now. So it's good to see that. I wonder if that's going to continue into valuable minutes when the full team is together for the U S but nice to see Paxton getting some minutes and uh, getting some, I mean, he's on the field when they got the game tying goal. So that's always positive when you're in, in those positions in the, in the field. It is. And we've, we've been there. You're, you're in the match and the team does well. It, it'd be nice to get the goal or assist, but when you're involved and you're on the pitch, you feel like that gives you another boost, that the team can have success with you there, that you're not taking away from the team getting getting results. And it's obviously just a, another step uh, for Brent, for, for Paxton Aronson. And I think we all know that they value him. They, they think very highly of him. This is, this is always part of the process. Get some minutes, get some, you know, you're training with the first team, you're getting some minutes here and there. He's, he's starting to break through. And next year, is when he's going to start to get real minutes. And this this half year has really kind of prepped them for for what to expect, the training method, speaking the language, understanding the philosophy of the club and the coach. So this is, I think what we're seeing is what it looks like to grind and understand and grow within a system and and, and a system that also has a plan for you. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited for for the, the future of Paxton Aronson. What's interesting is when you say that, I think of Ricardo Pepe at Augsburg, right? Oh. They, they they brought him into play right away. And I think this is smarter because with Paxton, Eintracht Frankfurt's like, we don't actually need you for this season, but he's been impressing from what we understand behind the scenes. And he's now starting to earn his minutes, but the plan wasn't for him to just come in and be this immediate impact savior, which is what Augsburg, I think, was expecting from Ricardo Pepe, which felt a little unfair. And... Uh, I like what Eintracht's doing. I think this is the proper way to do that. Well, we have some of a clip of an interview from Paxson after the game. Let's uh, hear what he had to say. Uh, you played a very good game. was one of your first Bundesliga matches, and it felt like you were in the game. What did it feel for you? Uh, no, it felt great being out there in front of the home fans, and especially in a super competitive match, and our home fans always bring it. So um, getting to experience the atmosphere and, and against a top Bundesliga opponent, it was it was great for me and the experience. And like you said, I thought I pretty, played a pretty good game. I always, always can improve, but uh, hopefully I'm looking forward to more. So anytime I hear Paxton speak, I think of Brendan. When I hear Brendan speak, I think of Paxton now because they are very good at sounding very similar. Let's do a little fun question. Which of these brothers is going to end up being the better player when their careers are done? 
Ooh, that's a tough one. Heath, I'm coming to you first. Man, for, awesome. for for a long time, it was it was it was meant to be it was meant to be Paxton, right? I don't think people saw the trajectory that Brendan Aronson has had. Now he's hit a little bit of that sort of plateau. Can he now take his game to the next level in in a number of different situations? I mean, Paxton though is so is so young, and they're different types of players, so it's really hard to see. I think so much of 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 a career has uh, little to do with, has a lot to do with where you end up in terms of your club, the coaches, the environment, that type of thing is so much, has so much, uh, uh, yeah, I guess power over what you actually become. I don't think it's always, it's always as easy as being like, put my head down no matter what club I'm at and like you need uh, to be in the right environment. So uh, it, it's just so hard to predict where, where they're going to end up, but um I just know both of them are higher on the depth chart than Charlie is, you know. In terms <laughs> definitely, of, you know, they're definitely pushing Charlie they're, down. They're to four, nine, four or five, or something like that. With Charlie's seven right now, you know. All right, and Charlie, who who do you think will be the better brother? What do you think? Well, well, Paxton, I'm not, I'm not answering it because I don't want to answer. Well, it, that's a really hard question. Well, to be to be fair, Paxton is at a higher level than Brendan was at at this age. That's that's a good point. And, and so, if you're looking just at where they are, age for pound for pound at their age. Uh, Paxton is is the better player, and I think Paxton's a little bit more aggressive in the final third. He, he we've seen him with the youth national team. He's a, he, he'll score goals. He's more he's more apt to take shots. Whereas I think Brennan's much more unselfish. He's a he's a pass first type of player, and I think Paxton has that cold blooded in him. He's he'll take shots from from deep. He's he's more apt to create for himself. So I think the ruthlessness I give the edge to to Paxton. Um, and, and what we saw with Paxton in MLS is he was still young in terms of being a midfielder to, to fight for, for in challenges, being a little bit stronger on the ball. Um, also the, the defensive transition moments, can he be better? Um, think, think a little bit more ahead of the game. So I think maybe Brendan was a step higher and just thought process being a, a few steps ahead mm-hmm. in terms of knowing where, where to be you know, which players are going to be open and, and that thought process of different options. But Brendan, obviously, uh, Brendan's done well and, and Paxton is is starting to break through at, at a higher level in the Bundesliga, whereas Brendan had to go to Austria and and, and kind of cut his teeth there. So I think Paxton's on, on a, obviously a fantastic trajectory, but you can't predict the future. I get it. I am getting it. It's just more of a fun hypothetical. All right. Final thoughts for you guys. Obviously, some big results. In MLS, El Trafico, LAFC, go to Galaxy's home stadium and uh, win for the first time ever in that rivalry, which was a pretty big deal, 3-2. to two. They tried to give it away at the end there, LAFC, but uh, the Galaxy just couldn't find the back of the net. I will say Ricky Pooch was excellent in this game for the Galaxy. I thought he was fantastic, and if he continues to play like that, the Galaxy will end up winning some games at some point. Uh, there was the Jimmy Conrad derby, which we didn't bring up in the preview. My two former clubs, the Earthquakes and Sporting Kansas City, Going after Kansas it. City, and, man. Jimmy, tell us about that. Jeez no, there's Lee. nothing to What's say. On, they're man? not. They're not good. They are not good. And Jimmy, but but, how, but I don't get. They weren't good last year. Then they slowly started to turn around at the end with William Magada bringing it, being brought in, and sure. um, you you just felt that maybe there's a, a slimmer hope. They didn't make the not, playoffs, and then they yeah, gave their coach a five year extension. How, how does how, how does that make sense? And then they're they're absolutely dreadful this year. Yeah. I don't, how much time do we have left in this? Mm-hmm. So this is a big question, man. There's a lot to unpack there and maybe we'll do it at another time. I'll just say that, that I, I, 
really love and admire what Peter Vermes has built there. I mean, I mean he's really gotten the ownership group to understand what it means to be a professional club with the stadium and the training facility. I know I'm going to make this quick training facility and all that stuff, but, but he's been there a long time and he has a lot of the, the roles like sporting director, coach, like there's no accountability. I don't think for him uh, in a way that maybe would be for any other club that doesn't have someone, you know, managing all those roles. So I, I wonder if the players and this organization overall, at least at the coaching level, just need to hear a new voice. And, and I think it might be time for that. But that means him f- basically firing himself as coach. And I don't know, uh, knowing what I know about PV, I don't think that's going to be an easy extraction. <laughs> so I wonder how that's going to go uh, moving forward. But yeah, they're one of two winless teams in the league along with the LA Galaxy. So yeah, some big questions there around Kansas City and what that means for them going forward. But um, no, no, Jimmy, I was going like this because Heath was getting getting the the hook. Uh, no, I thought I, no, I thought no one was here, and then and then uh, my wife walked into the garage uh, and, and scared. Said, it's time, time to get out. Time to go. No, time I to get just out. got it scared the life out of me, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> like we had well, it's just we had guys we had windows clean window cleaners here, and they came and knocked on the window to tell me they were leaving uh, after all this rain this year. So I figured no one nobody was in in the house. Uh, and then somebody just walked into the garage right now and scared me. Scared me. <laughs> I didn't see it. Now I'm bummed. I'm gonna have to rewind this and watch it later. On, his on his eyes popped out of his head. Oh my god! All right, yeah. final thoughts from you, Heath. Any big games? Any big performances that you saw from any of our players? No, I mean mostly that. That from what I'm from what I'm hearing, uh, McKinney and and um, and um, Aronson are are in the lineups today, uh, which is which is nice to hear. If that's actually, yeah, they're playing. Leeds is taking uh, on Liverpool. Game kicks off at uh, when 45 minutes. If you're watching this live, yeah. if you're listening and, to this later. And my, well, and my only other, happen. my only other closing thought is just shame on Arsenal what they're doing right now. <laughs> all out, you know? But uh, biggest game of the year is on Wednesday uh, against Man City, so we'll see how that all. Plays yeah, out. that's the 26. So you still got nine more days, right, yeah. for that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how about you, Chuck? Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Just. <laughs> putting a that, performance that, that uh, was going to give us a, a little bit of uh, some some hope and fight and and just show the fight against Mexico. I I would you know in this game I I want to see two players in particular stand out. That is Jordan Morris. I think he's he's really you know started to perform in MLS. I really want him to to do well. And Caleb Wiley as a, as a young eighteen year old getting an opportunity to play against Mexico. Like, let's go. Those are two players that I really have my eyes on, and, and I'm really hoping that they they can um, put in a, a fantastic performance. And then, you know, Serginho Dest, when you're on the outskirts, that you're kind of like you're on loan, but you're also like an outcast. You're not going to get playing time. You're not in the Champions League squad. It, it can be so difficult to train knowing that you're going to get nothing in return, no matter how how well you perform. And it feels like he's, he's in that – in that position. So these are those moments where you can find the joy of the game again, that it doesn't weigh you down. And um, I'm hoping that he, he can get going in, in this match against Mexico. You know, that performances against Mexico, they last, they don't go anywhere. They stay with you and it stays with them. I'm glad you brought that up. Roll the clip, everybody. No, I'm just kidding. We don't need to see my header for against Mexico. <laughs> One more time. All right. The show's over. It's like we trust is done. We're going to see you guys after the U.S.-Mexico game, we're going to go live, so make sure you come back here after you hit like and subscribe, turn on your notifications to make sure you're live when we are going live so we can break that whole game down and really get into it. So thank you for support and love and adoration as always, and we'll see you on Wednesday night. Go USA! Later!